What's up guys? You know, I'm always talking about how important it is to get high quality sleep. And if you're someone who's looking to get clarity on if you're getting good sleep or not, use a sleep tracker. One of the sleep trackers that I recommend is a whoop strap. It's very inexpensive, it's very comfortable, and it stays charged for a long period of time. You can get a free whoop strap on me. All you have to do is use my code. Head over to join.whoop.com slash Zach Rance. I'm gonna drop the link in the show notes below to get your free whoop strap today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Live Better Now podcast. I am here to bring you another episode on mindset. Mindset is something that I talk about a lot on the podcast. I've interviewed a lot of experts and authors, coaches, and mentors of mine that actually have have helped me shift my perspective on a lot of things. And one of the things that I do talk about a lot is how important it is to have a strong emotional intelligence. Really be able to consciously shift your feelings from shame and guilt, for example, to love and compassion. And when we radiate and we feel these high frequency emotions, we're going to be able to unlock the natural law of attraction to manifest all of our goals and dreams. It starts with our thoughts because our thoughts affect our emotions. And I wanted to get the author of The Sultan's Seven Secrets, Jeff Buner, on the podcast today because he has a very profound and interesting story about how he went from laying concrete, making $60,000 a year to making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month, something that literally just fell into his lap. And I'm going to let him tell the story, but I did want it to uh, tell you guys that you know some of the stuff that we're going to be talking about on the podcast today, there might not be tangible proof. There might not be real evidence, okay? You're just going to have to take the leap of faith. You're going to have to trust Jeff's word. You're going to have to trust other people's word. The the law of attraction, really, guys, there's not a lot of scientific evidence. Now, look, we can talk about brainwave states, and we can talk about frequencies, and we can talk about vibrations, and all that is true. But if you really want to attract more meaning, more fulfillment, more purpose, better relationships into your life, it starts with your subconscious mind and your emotions. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. How are you doing today? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm doing fantastic. I love your energy. I'm already thinking off that. Thank you, Jeff. You know, I, I'm super happy to have you on the podcast today because I love having conversations about mindset, about altering our thinking, about awareness, because, you know, life is hard. Life is hard. We all have big dreams. We all have big goals. And sometimes hard work doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to make more money. Amen. And you have you have a story that is very similar to the polar opposite of that, of, of just a business falling into your lap. Can you give us more context of how this started, where you were, and where you are today? Yeah, you know, one of the words I don't use very often is mindset, because I'm going to talk about tricks. And when I say the word trick, what I mean is, There's a trick to everything, and your viewers have learned this. Everything they've ever tried to do was hard until somebody took the time to teach them the trick. If you've gone out and tried to sell a product, you probably really struggled in the beginning until maybe an older salesman or someone else, or maybe you just stumbled onto it, put their arm around you and said, hey, these are the points you need to hit. This is what you. This is the angle you need to come out. 
and then all of a sudden it's easy. So I'm going to tell you a story about real struggle, but I'm going to kind of skip to the end of that because everybody understands struggle and tell you the part about a lady who took mercy on me and showed me the trick. So I was in the concrete business. It's a hard business, but I was young and feeling tough. And so, you know, I loved being in that business, but I was working my fingers to the bone and not making quite enough money to achieve my financial goals. So I'm looking around, I'm seeing all my old buddies from university driving around in their little Mercedes and BMWs, and they seem to be doing way better than me financially. And that didn't make me mad at them. I didn't feel any jealousy. I just felt like I was, I had been left behind. I hadn't figured it out. And it made me feel bad, among other things. You know, like I wasn't doing well enough. But for the life of me, Zach, I could not think of anything else I could do but concrete. And there's a long story behind that. I grew up on a farm. I kind of felt like the only way to honorably make money was to work hard for it. But one day I was pouring for a woman who was remodeling a beautiful home in a beautiful neighborhood. And she and her husband were everything and had everything I wanted to be and have. But, you know, I couldn't see how to do it. And these were special people. And the reason I say that is because most of the people we worked for, they didn't come and talk to us, you know, the concrete crew in the backyard. They kind of avoided us, but not her and not her husband. They talked to us. They were really kind, wonderful people. And I thought of them as ancient back then, but they were probably younger then than I am now. So that was 30 years ago. And this lady was talking to me, and I took the opportunity to tell her, hey, God, you're kind of what I want to be when I grow up, but I don't know how to do it. And that conversation sadly evolved into me complaining. And right about the time I realized, oh my gosh, I'm just complaining, she turned around and walked away. And I was so embarrassed that I finally had an opportunity to talk to somebody who might be able to give me some good advice. And I felt blown it. But she came back out of the house a little while later and handed me a stack of papers that I call a manuscript because it wasn't a book, it wasn't bound, but it could have been a book. And she asked me to read that book and give it back to her the next day. And Zach, I wasn't going to read it. I can't even express how busy I was at the time and how tired I was at night. My day started at 5.30 every morning. I'd work all day. At about 5 o'clock, my crew would go home, but not me. That's when I'd go out collecting money, picking up supplies, selling new jobs. I'd get home around 7.30, wolf down my dinner, take a shower, and literally fall into bed so I could do it again the next day. But I thanked her for the manuscript. You know, I put it in my truck. I wasn't planning to even look at it, let alone read it, and thinking about my excuse the next day, you know, for not reading it. But that night, I read the first page and stayed up the rest of the night reading the whole thing and taking notes. Now, this manuscript 
told the story of the richest man to ever live. And you can look this guy up in history books. Sultan Musa of Mali. And just Mali's, Mali's in Africa. Yes. And when did this guy live? 1300s. 1300s, before Da Vinci was even born. Yeah. Wow, okay. When I say he was the wealthiest man to ever live, he had tons of gold and silver, so they can, and it was documented how much he had. So mm-hmm. they can take the value of gold today, times it by what he had, and give you some idea of his net worth. And to give you an idea, you know names like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, right? Mm-hmm. They're both worth around 150 to 200 billion. This dude was worth more than both of them combined clear back then. Wow. So we're talking unbelievable wealth, but he started out unbelievably poor, like the kind of poverty you and I can't even relate to. Your listeners can't relate to it. His mother could not guarantee him even one meal a day. There were many days when she literally had not one thing to feed him, and he would have to go out scrounging for food. And he learned to be a little thief. He would steal food from the local merchants and and uh, farmers, and that's mm-hmm. how he stayed alive. Okay, so is he the author of this manuscript? What was in this manuscript that was so powerful? Yes. Okay, so he goes from being this broke, beyond broke boy to being the wealthiest man to ever live, and that's what's in the manuscript. And I'm looking at this. There's something in it called the language of the gods, but I need to back up one step. At the age of 12, he had a near-death experience in which he met a man made of light and love. And this being taught him how the world works, how he works. And that's what's in the manuscript. So this language of the gods came from this man made of light and love. And Musa said, when anyone speaks this language, the world obeys their commands. And there it is, right in front of me, spelled out perfectly how you speak this language with the promise that the world will obey your commands. Right. And this language that you're talking about, okay, that the world is going to listen to and will obey all of our commands, this is the language of feeling. Correct. And, and and also it's the language of the subconscious mind. Yeah. Now I'm going to get to that because okay. it's counterintuitive to everything I was doing up till then. Like we're taught to focus on the problems we have, come up with a solution, figure it out, you know, and that's what I was doing. I was focusing on that. And even in, you know, I was a praying man, especially around then I was so frustrated But my prayers were kind of like, God, can't you see my suffering? Where are you? Why don't you help me? Victim mentality. Yeah. You can already Why me? Why me? God, I need your help. God, I need your help. So how was I feeling while I'm praying like that? Scarcity. You were feeling like down on yourself, right? Maybe... Maybe not shame or guilt, but you just, you felt like you were weren't worthy enough. You know, you you. I think the victim mentality is the best way to kind of summarize it. That's it. I felt like yeah. life was a punishment instead of a blessing. Right. I was I was drowning. You know, in life. So feelings are self 
self-fulfilling prophecies. You can mm-hmm. take that to the bank, and I'm going to explain why. I'm going to give you the science behind it in a minute. All from this manuscript. Now, it's maybe a good time to bring up that Sultan Musa of Mali was incredibly benevolent. He fell in love with the man made of light, and he just wanted to serve him, and he appreciated what he learned. He used it to become incredibly wealthy, but that's not all. I mean, this guy was generous. He lifted the entire Mali kingdom out of poverty, uh, but also ended all of their little inner wars that were going on and made it a peaceful, happy kingdom. And he just wanted to teach what he had learned to everybody. That was his goal. It's said of him that he started construction on a new school every Friday. So, and he taught these principles in these schools, and that's what lifted the kingdom up. Okay. All right. Now, even sultans can get in trouble if they start sounding crazy. And what I'm about to share with your audience, think about him sharing as a 12-year-old boy uh, in a Muslim country with lots of warlords. This is a quick way to get yourself killed, to come out and say, hey, I died yesterday, but then I came back to life. And by the way, I met God who taught me all kinds of things that our most learned scholars know nothing about. He couldn't do that. And so even as Sultan, and by the way, he taught these things long before he became Sultan, he had to be really careful. So he wrote a fairy tale, a story, with all of the elements that he was taught in it, and it, so he would use that as a segue to teach these concepts. And if anyone called him out, if anyone started getting upset, he'd just say, dude, chill. It's a story, you know? And he was the author of the fairy tale, Aladdin and the Magic Lamp. So I'm going to go into the three main elements of this fairy tale that he used as a segue to teach but then he'd go into the details if he felt mm-hmm. safe one. Okay, I like that. So this this guy at 12 years old was before that really poor, doesn't have a lot of food, can't afford anything. At 12 years old, he has a near-death experience. He sees this, this person of light that shows him the way to create riches, to lead by example, to help everyone else out of poverty, to provide to people that are in need. And ends up accumulating enough wealth that is more than Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk combined. And it's three principles, guys. So I'm really interested in these principles. What is principle number one? All right. So there are elements of the story. And I'll I'll get into what each one represents. But the first element is this bin Allah. And by the way, um, Antoine Gallant is the one who translated... Aladdin and the Magic Lamp, and he was 100% honest. He did not write this story. He says he just translated it from an ancient Arabic text. Okay. So he he was terrified of the second manuscript, what I had in my possession. He had also, but he never published that. He only published the fairy tale, not the translation of what it all means. Okay. Because he knew that he would lose his position in government and academia if he did that. This was back in the 1600s 
when people were still burned at the stake for the crime of heresy. So he never published the second part, just the fairy tale, and he changed the name of the main character from child of God, bin Allah, at least I'm told that's kind of what it means, to Aladdin, which means nothing in Arabic. I'm okay. Told. Now, if someone wants to correct me, I'm way open to learning. If Aladdin means something, please let me know. He changed the name and then published the story. Okay. So what's element number one? Element number one is Aladdin. And Aladdin, the main character, represents the conscious mind. That element that you think of as you. Element number two is this all-powerful genie who can get you anything you want if you know how to summon it and talk to it and command it. Element number three is how you do that. That's the best part of the story, the part that changes everything for Aladdin, this magic lamp. The magic lamp represents knowledge, specifically knowledge of this language of the gods, which is the language that is taking place, the communication that's always taking place between the conscious and the subconscious mind. But it's not what we think. It's not taking place in the words that come out of your mouth or even the thoughts you think. You said it earlier. It's feelings. Right. It's the feelings. It's feelings of love. It's feelings of appreciation. It's feelings of gratitude. It's feelings of compassion. These high, vib high vibration, high frequency emotions, right? Yes. Okay. So in the book, in the fairy tale... Your inner genie, your subconscious mind, only says two things. One is a question. What is wanted? What do you want? And the other is a statement. Your wish is my command. Now, here's the thing to understand. This is literally the trick to life. Your inner genie, your subconscious mind, and if I use veiled mind, that's the language that Musa used, so... Those are interchangeable. Veiled mind, subconscious mind. I just know that your audience is more familiar with the concept of a subconscious mind. But the veiled mind is always asking, what do you want? And the conscious mind is always answering. You're doing it right now in the language of feelings. So you tell your subconscious mind what kind of life to create for you in the language of feelings. And then it says, your wish is my command. And it will go create, keep your life congruent with your predominant feelings. Got it. So it's really important for us to unlock our subconscious mind and alter our subconscious mind from negative thought patterns, negative feelings to positive thought patterns, positive feelings. Really close. You don't have to unlock anything. It's okay. unlocked. So all you have to do is pay attention to how you're feeling about any aspect of your life. And if it's negative, change it. And I'm going to tell you how to do that because that's not easy. You know, yeah, let's talk about that. Let, let's talk about how, how can someone practically change their negative feelings to positive feelings? For example, let's say someone had bad relationships in the past. They're living alone. They're washing dishes, staring at a wall. 
They have a negative balance in their bank account. Their job, their boss is an asshole. They hate their job. You know, their dog is just pissing and shitting all over the floor. How can someone change those negative feelings to positive feelings when everything they see in the real world just seems to suck? Okay, you just asked the million dollar question. In my case, the multi-million dollar question. You can't look to reality to change the way you feel. What people are doing is looking at reality and letting reality dictate how they feel. Musa, Dick, Musa compared that to the Cave of Wonders. The Cave of Wonders represents the cares and concerns and the fear of the carnal world, your quote-unquote reality, the physical world. And most people are staring at that, and then that's how they feel. Well, your subconscious mind is hearing those feelings and keeping your reality congruent. So around and around and around you go forever until you learn the trick, the trick to changing your life. And here comes something called your superpower. This is how you've learned everything you've learned. It's how you've grown. It's how you went from uh, you know being a little kid who couldn't do anything to being you, able to drive, think, read, everything you can do. Your superpower is your ability, and it goes a little deeper than how I'm going to simplify it. It's your ability to imagine and pretend. Okay. And you were you were born an absolute pro at this, Zach. You could get lost as a little kid and make believe uh-huh. and not come out for hours. So our superpower is to pretend. So if we're yep. doing dishes by ourselves, there's piss and shit all over the floor. Our bank account balance is negative, and we're staring at a wall. We're supposed to pretend we're washing dishes in Hawaii. Our bank account says $500,000 plus. We love our job. Our perfect partner is in the room next next door to you. So it just it, is that is that the trick? The trick is to pretend that everything is exactly the way you want it to be. Yes. Yeah, I, honestly, I believe it too. I really do. We J- can J- end podcast yeah. with that, except for one thing. It's it's simple, but it's not easy to do because of your past training. You're trained to focus on reality. Uh-huh. All right, I'm going to tell you something here, that when you get lost in a daydream, uh, go back to when you were a little kid, you know, and you pretended to be the king of the palace and you had a, a sword with, you know, it was just a stick in your hand. Nothing about reality in your mind was allowed to mess with that daydream. You just saw it in your mind and felt what it feels like to be the king and, you know, the right. and everything. And Right. Okay. So let me ask you a question. When you were doing that as a child, and by the way, you can still do it now. It's just, it's been trained out of you. Dang. You knew and you know now that isn't real. It's just a make-believe daydream, right? Right. What about the feelings it generated? Were those real? Yes. Yes. You better I felt on top it. of the moon. Yep. I was so happy, right? I had the best day ever because I was slamming my stick that I thought was a sword 
against the slide on the playground. Against the imagination. Yeah, yeah or against the other kid. Imagination and pretending is a creative process. Just like Da Vinci was creative when he painted, just like Taylor Swift is creative when she writes lyrics. Right. The process of pretending and imagining that things are not as they seem is a skill. It's it's really a skill. It's not black or white. Right. You know, so I truly believe everything you're saying when you tell me that the secret to this is really just pretending that reality just isn't real. Because if you're standing at your sink washing dishes, staring at the wall with shit and piss all over your floor, and you pretend that you're staring at the beautiful Pacific Ocean in Hawaii while you're doing your dishes, and that your house is extremely clean, in that moment, you will be happier. In that moment, you will smile. In that moment, you will have positive thoughts, positive thoughts of gratitude and appreciation. Absolutely. So, and we, we know that that upregulates all the systems in our body from our cardiovascular system to our central nervous system, our immune system, guys, that fight cancer and heart disease. So there is a correlation between emotional intelligence, which is feeling high frequency emotions, love, gratitude, and appreciation, and longer, happier, sustainable quality of life. But there's another piece to that because we just started learning about this quite recently, maybe in the last 20 years or so, that you can also attract money. You can also attract relationships. You can also attract your goals and dreams by pretending that everything in your life is amazing. Does that sound about right? Does that summarize it? Yeah, but I'm going to give you, you, yes, perfectly. But I'm going to give you the science behind it because someone in your audience is thinking right now, so Zach, you're saying just imagine, pretend everything Legend. is great and it will be. Yes, but not for you going to lay down on the couch and just sitting there pretending. Right. Got to take action. Got to well, take action. You are. Here's why you're going to take action. When you pretend that you have 800,000 in the bank or, or 600,000 cash under your mattress, how do you feel? You feel differently than you were feeling 10 minutes ago just staring at that stack of uh, bills and looking at your $200 bank balance. You feel differently. How do you feel? Okay, you know how that feels. It feels great to have 600,000 cash. You're now flooding your subconscious mind, which is the mechanism that controls your life. It just does. Take that at face value. You're flooding it with the feelings of having a lot of money, financial security, financial safety. It believes your feelings. And now whatever it believes, it will make true in your physical realm. How does it do that? Well, by orchestrating the circumstances and situations that come into your life to match your predominant feelings. So we think of, oh my gosh, you know, it would take a miracle for me to get 600,000 in the bank. Yes. And miracles are nothing to your subconscious mind. It deals in miracles. Everything about you, everything about life, everything about the world is a miracle. In fact, it took a miracle for some of the people you know to be as poor as they are, to, to <laughs> have bad luck they have. It's like, it would take a Very miracle true. to have that kind right. of bad luck. Mm-hmm. 
but they're creating those miracles by flooding their subconscious mind with feelings of despair and bad luck and nothing good happens to me, and their subconscious mind goes out and makes it true. So listen, here's something you can do right now. It's going to be weird because you're not used to doing this, but you can pick one thing and that's, that's not going on in your life that you'd like to experience, and you can experience it in your imagination with intensity until you can see it and feel what it's like to have that thing. In fact, one way to do it is to ask the question, what would it feel like to X, fill in the blank? What would it feel like to have the perfect sweetheart in my life? What would it feel like to be ripped and to have a six-pack? What would it feel like to have that $600,000 cash in my house somewhere? Now, if you can't imagine 600, you don't feel it, bring it down to 200, 100 grand, 20 grand, whatever it takes that you can feel it. Pick something and just for fun, not to try to make it happen in the physical realm because that'll ruin it. Just for fun, imagine you have it a couple times throughout the day for a couple weeks. Now, if you do that, I promise you, you'll be flooding your subconscious mind with feelings that are new. It hasn't been hearing these feelings, maybe not for years, maybe not forever. But as it hears them, now remember, it's not interested in the imagery you use. So you might use 20 grand cash it's just listening to the feelings you're generating when you pretend to have 20 grand. And those feelings are financial security, you know, good luck financially. Okay, it's going to hear those feelings if you do it consistently for a while. And it's going to go, it's going to believe them. It never doubts a feeling. So it's going to go find the low-hanging fruit, something that it can do right now that might just be as insignificant as grandpa hands you a check for a thousand bucks and just, hey, I was thinking about you. I'm giving all the grandkids a thousand bucks. Here you go. Okay, that's not your 20,000. But what about the feelings of getting a thousand bucks free from grandpa? Do those match the imagery you're right. using? Right. Okay. Now, here's what you have to keep in mind. Don't say to yourself, well, that's not 20 grand. Instead, say, Holy shit, that's a crazy coincidence. That wasn't happening last week or last year. That hasn't happened for 10 years. And now it happens right when I'm flooding my subconscious mind with the feelings of having 20 grand cash. Let me ask you this question, though. Is yep. there actual science that proves this? You know, no more than there's any science. Science is always changing. They prove something one day, and then a year later, they prove the opposite. Science is worthless. What counts is your experience, what you've learned to believe by experience. Experience is the currency of eternity, and you're getting rich for being here. Yeah. But it's more fun to learn and grow by positive experience than it is negative experience. Right. Now, well, here's, just, here's what I want to answer with that, Zach. Okay. Is you do your own science experiment by changing the, the feelings you're flooding your subconscious mind with on one thing, 
and see what happens. Because you can produce what I call coincidences, but I always put them in air marks. When you do that, you're going to produce, those coincidences are going to come one after another, after another, after another, and they're never going to stop as long as you flood your subconscious mind with certain feelings. And keep in mind, the veiled mind is not a passionate entity that loves you. It's a mechanism. So if you flood it with fear and worry and concern about money, (laughs) you're going to get more reasons to be worried about money. Right. If you use your imagination to flood it with feelings of having $2 million in the bank, I promise you weird stuff is going to happen that starts, that matches the feelings, not necessarily the imagery, but the feelings of having financial security, safety, being able to buy what you need. It will happen. And when you do that, you've done your own science. You can convince yourself, holy crap, this is the way it works. That's it. And, And I want to try to do my best to explain how this can be scientifically proven whether we believe in science or not and you made a very great point that science is always changing seems like every 10 to 20 years scientists prove the prior scientists wrong and scientists are going to continue to prove other scientists wrong so we have to keep that in mind but i'm going to do my best to try to explain how this can be scientifically proven the natural law of attraction which is a natural law says you will attract more like into your life that you, at, based on your feelings, based on your emotions, right? So scientifically speaking, and this was very well written and explained by Dr. Joe Dispenza. If any of you guys have heard of Dr. Joe or haven't heard of Dr. Joe, you can uh, listen to his book or, or check his book, uh, Becoming Supernatural. And he explains this pretty well. It's like, if you radiate higher frequency emotions like love, appreciation, and gratitude, your projection or your frequency is going to be projected out into the universe. And your the information in your feelings that are projected from these frequencies are going to match other things within the universe that are going to project back to you. And it works both ways. The law of attraction works for you or it works against you. So if you feel shame and guilt and you feel like you're the victim, you are going to attract more of that into your life because the frequency that's being projected from your heart and your mind is going to match other frequencies that are alike. It's called quantum entanglement. And this is something that you know can be proven. I mean, we don't see Wi-Fi, we don't see Bluetooth, we don't see microwaves from our microwave. We don't know how the radio puts music into our car stereo, but it's real. So if you can't see the frequencies from your Wi-Fi, you can't see the frequencies from your heart or your brain, but they exist and they can be measured on an EEG machine. So, you know, there might be some breaks in there uh, that other people can disprove. There might be some things in that story that might not be uh, 100% accurate or consistent, but on a macro level, very surface level, that's basically how it works, guys. And I want to be on the record and say that I believe 100% with unwavering conviction, everything that Jeff is teaching you guys today. I believe it with the core of my heart because I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in my own life. And uh, Jeff, that that was amazing. So the book you wrote, uh, Sultan's Seven Secrets, they can actually get a free copy of it, uh, a free 
listening copy, free audible version on the website, sultans7secrets.com. Tell us a little bit about this book and, uh, and more info on like what, it, what more detail is going to be in there that they can learn about. Well, I'm actually sitting here somewhat astonished at what you just did explaining it scientifically. Because you haven't read my book, I'm assuming, in chapter five of the book called The Real World Reading Mind, it talks about spirit material and how everything, including you, you have a physical body, but inside that physical body and around it is a spirit body. We know this is true from the phenomenon of death. When your spirit pops out of your physical body, your physical body isn't worth crap. It just lies there. It's dead. The spirit has the life. It has the force of life. But there is a spirit world around everything physical. And I'm not going to go too deep into this. Get the book, read chapter five, but you'll be astonished. You have the power to manipulate and change real spirit material into whatever you want it to be with the power of your imagination and your strong human emotions. And that, when you change your spirit world, it magnetically begins changing your physical world. And you're going to, Zach just did a great job of laying it out Without reading that chapter, you're going to freak when you read this chapter and realize (laughs) he just did it by studying, you know, other philosophies that ring true to him. That's it. But you're going to love, get my book. It's a, it's a video book. So it's me reading the Sultan's Seven Secrets. Perfect. And I go through all the chapters. You can download it for free at sultans7secrets.com. And I'm going to drop the link to the website in the show notes. So everyone that's listening, you can just click the link. It's going to be in the bottom of the show notes. Um, but I, I want to thank you for the kind words because uh, I, I've studied and I've read and I've learned and watched a lot of videos on law of attraction and physiology and quantum physics and start applying it to my life and start seeing results. So I'm trying to double down. And that's why I wanted to get you on the podcast today, because I think this is a very important conversation that I want to continue to share with my audience. Well, what you're doing is giving people the trick to making life easier, making creation easier, to understanding how you do it so that you feel like you can do it. And the work you're doing is really valuable. You know, I, you're doing God's work and everybody listening needs this now more than ever. And you're doing it my hat's off to you, Zach, and uh, just really appreciate you letting me come on and talk about this gift that was given to me at the age of 33 that changed everything for me. And I just want to pass it on. No, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, the cover of the book really pops out. And I'm interested in learning about more about this guy, uh, the Prince of Mali. What's his name? Uh, he goes Musa. by different names. Yeah, uh, Mansa Musa. I call him the uh, Sultan Musa of Mali. Sultan Musa of Mali. Amazing. Well, to all those people that are listening, don't forget to check out sultan 7 I'm going to drop the link in the show notes below so you can get a copy 
of that book. If you have been listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, thank you so much for sticking around to the end. Don't forget to hit follow and leave us a review. If you're watching on YouTube, thanks so much for watching the video as well. This has been a great time. Jeff has been an awesome guest. This was really good to connect and I want to continue to further our relationship because I would love to do more work with you in the future, Jeff. Fantastic.